News Radio 610 WTVN. For the defense, the only live legal show of its kind in Columbus, the Coffell Law Firm, one of Ohio's leading criminal defense firms. Your host of For the Defense, Columbus Attorney Brad Coffell. It's 11.05 a.m. Thanks, Campy. Show number 174. We are uh, live on Facebook Live. You can go to 610WTVN, uh, the live cam, and uh, see the show, hear the show. Also, uh, immediately after the show, you can go back to Facebook on 610WTVN and, and, and watch the show, kind of see what's going on. But uh, I've got a big guest in the second half of the show, a gentleman by the name of Mark Meckler. And uh, you you probably, you may not know Mark Meckler, but you know the Tea Party. And he is one of the founders of the Tea Party movement. And uh, Mark currently serves as president of Citizens for Self-Governance. Sounds like uh, right up in our wheelhouse. Uh, he is an active proponent of a convention to propose amendments to the United States Constitution, which is what we're talking about today. We're really, the winds of change are, are unmistakable to every American. And I think uh, there are still a lot of Americans that are, that are naive to these winds, uh, but the winds of change. And the nation has entered an age of... Uh, and I'm going to borrow a lot from, from Mark Levin. But we've, we've entered an age of soft tyranny. And as a fellow historian on uh, American history, American revolutionary history, and the general and I both love American history, you've, the easiest way to kind of explain this, and I know a lot of, a lot of parents have their kids listen to this show to, to understand uh, how we got here and the Constitution and why it was so important. The men who spent the two summers writing the operating code for this American experiment, we're living in the 13 colonies in a world surround, in, a, in, a, in a world where they were surrounded by uh, superpowers, what would have been called superpowers of the day. A lot of power uh, in the hands of a few. So these men were enlightened uh, rebels from the from the thirteen colonies who literally fought an empire. Now, in the beginning of the of the English Empire, uh, you know, and, and England was was no joke. I mean, but it, it, you had Spain, Portugal, France, England, Germany really wasn't around. Uh, you, you know, China was doing something else on the other side of the earth. But within a hundred years, you had the the British Empire controlled twenty five percent of the world's population and. Uh, 25% of the land mass was under British rule. We kicked their butts, and that's and, and, and we stayed that way. I mean, we kept this American experiment. Everyone else got colonized. So what was it about our founders that made uh, these 13 colonies so special? Well, it would, it would be this, this democracy, this, uh, this, this, the, the founding of a republic, and— these 13 colonies, starting in 1776, really kicked off the decolonization movement, primarily because, as we were told in grade school, I think they still teach us general. Do you think they still teach the, the resentment, American resentment of parliament and taxing American colonists? And the, the, the colonists didn't have a vote. They didn't have a voice in parliament. They still teach that in school? I think they probably just teach that uh, it was evil from the start, <laughs> systemically <laughs> racist. We're, well, that's where we're headed. And so the American Revolution began with the rejection of Parliament. Now, when I talk about Parliament, I'll now kind of think of Congress because we're in the same we're in the same two hundred plus years later. We're dealing with the same thing. So the 
the American DNA rejects a lot of this high-level uh, centralized power, whether it was parliamentary power back in the day or congressional power now. But there's a movement towards self-government. And I always felt like we, we've always had this self-government instilled in us. And I think all Americans feel some level of self-government. But I think a lot of, of Americans are, are not totally aware what self-government is. And, and I'll tell you who was a really, really smart dude, Alexis de, de Tocqueville. So de Tocqueville from France, don't write him off because he's from France and don't write him off because he has a, a, a long name. But de Tocqueville, literally, he was like the uh, uh, Edward Murrow of the day. Uh, he walked through France reporting what was happening uh, post-France Revolution. He walked through England to see what was happening in the English in, in the English Empire and industrialization because their industrialization industrialization hit us hit the world half century or so before us, and they came to America, and he loved America and he took notes the whole time, and he wrote in 1835 a two part series, Democracy in America, and it very well may be one of the most influential books known that Americans are, you know, are aware of. Or have not read, but he came through, and he saw why America was different. And Alexis de Tocqueville is so relevant today in America. What he reported and concluded when he left England and came to France and England came to the states was that that Parliament and parliamentary rule covered the surface of society. He said, with a network of small, complicated rules that even the most the smartest men and women or men couldn't penetrate. Uh, As Mark Levin said, the will of man was not shattered, but softened, bent, and guided. Men are seldom forced by it to act, but they are constantly restrained from acting. Such a power does not destroy, but it prevents existence. It does not tyrannize, but it extinguishes and stupefies a people. That's what he saw in, in Europe. What he saw in America was totally different. And so his, his works in 1835 and 1840, de Tocqueville wrote these in 1835 and 1840, he saw in America improved living standards, improved social conditions of individuals, and he saw the relationship between the citizen and the government and the consumer and the marketplace, that being early stages of capitalism. But, but Tocqueville warned that modern democracy may invent new forms of tyranny that the world has never seen because radical equality, now that sounds wrong, but radical equality could lead to the selfishness of the individual. So let me break that down. His, war, his concern was that America would lose the interest in the future of our descendants and that we would meekly allow ourselves to be led in ignorance by a corrupt federal force. Hmm. And uh, and that it became even more powerful than uh, than than tyrants and monarchs because it doesn't look like a tyranny. It doesn't look like a corrupt form of government that history has rejected and kicked to the curb. Tocqueville was worried that if soft tyranny were to take root in a modern democracy, kind of where we are now, it would be much more dangerous. It'd be much more dangerous than oppression under tyrants because tyrants at least you knew exactly what was going on but a democracy that doesn't follow its constitutional mandate 
becomes a softer, gentler, more insidious form of tyranny over the people. Harder to put your finger on. Yes, yes. It's it's not one ruling family. It's not one ruling general. It's a multitude of men, as Tocqueville phrased. And they were uniformly alike and equal. And he, quote, says, he said, quote, constantly circling for petty pleasures, unaware of their fellow citizens. He really thought of a despotic democratic government like a protective parent who wants to keep his or her child a perpetual child. Uh, but again, it, it, it presides over the people in the same way as a shepherd looking after a flock of timid animals. We've used the word sheeple. This dude wrote this in 1835. He predicted an old world aristocracy wrapped up in a democracy because one of the vices of humanity is power. General, how do professional politicians like Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and I could pick some Republicans, who've been there for 30, 40, 50 years, who make salaries in line with medical device sales reps, how do they have multi, multiple million-dollar homes, ownership in Napa wineries, and fortunes in investments? Well, it's very simple. They use their power to enrich their family. They, they get their family to get the, get the government contracts. Sounds a little familiar right now. Yes, it does. So uh, how prescient was de Tocqueville? He predicted in 1835 as well, as well. He predicted what we're seeing right now, but he also predicted that Native Americans were too proud to assimilate and they would inevitably become extinct. And he also predicted in 1835 the preeminence of two countries – will be the two main global powers, the United States and Russia. And he also predicted that Jeffrey Epstein would not kill himself. <laughs> so have we reached a point in time where de Tocqueville and his warnings have come true 185 years later? Yeah. And after the break, we're going to dive into this. And then uh, the second half of the show, we're going to have Mark Meckler come in and talk about Ordinary men and women who got together a decade ago to form the Tea Party and what's going on now to get people organized, awake, and bring power back down to the local and state levels, the Convention of States. Brad Koffel, Eric Willison after the break. Stick around. Eleven twenty one a.m. Welcome back. I am uh, Attorney Brad Koffel for the defense. We are live on the Basement Doctor uh, Cam in studio. Just go to six ten WTVN on Facebook. Facebook six ten six ten WTVN. Uh, click on uh, live. Yeah, pretty easy uh, to follow. Uh, at the uh, bottom of the hour, we're going to bring in Mark Meckler. And Mark is a friend of Mark Levin. Uh, he has an interesting story to tell about how and he and Mark met, how the Tea Party movement got off the ground, and now a, uh, the Convention of States, a, an idea uh, rooted largely, I think, in a lot of Mark Levin's book, The Liberty Amendments, which I encourage everyone to take a look at and read. And 
we, uh, you know, uh, democracy in, in de Tocqueville, if you're just joining us, uh, we spent a little bit of time explaining how the 13 colonies separated from tyranny because then the age of enlightenment and, and uh, the, the sovereign, the sovereignty resides in the people, not in a king or a ruler or a tyrant, that government actually comes from the people, the consent of the people, and uh, you use democracy as a way to promote the will of the people. Reagan said that uh, we are a people with a government, not the other way around. Correct, General. I mean, and we've lost that. So Tocqueville warned in 1835, he warned in democracy in America that potentially too much equality, meaning the will of too many people uh, getting control, they will simply take care of themselves and not pay attention to others, and they'll not pay attention to the descendants, their descendants. Of course, uh, we now have a democracy has voted in a permanent ruling class that panders to the current trends of the day. I mean, you can think of anything that politicians are saying right now, and whatever they need to say to get elected, they say to get elected. That's just politics. The problem is we have thrown federal money at irrational ideas and financial experiments for reshaping society to the point now, America is in the age of not being informed, but being indoctrinated, manipulated, misled, and censored. And you're going to hear more about the FCC cracking down on Twitter, Facebook, and for their censorship, but not for this show. Uh, Congress, it, it seemed, I think most of us would agree that Congress really can't help itself anymore, but it's just, it is unconstitutionally delegated rulemaking power to this gigantic administrative state of rules and regulations. Nobody is aware of all of them. I'm a lawyer. I've been practicing law for 25, 26 years. I don't even practice. I try not to even deal with federal crimes because it's a whole, it's the federal regs, all the different agencies. It's so much easier just to deal with state, state laws, state crimes, but the federal laws and regulations and rules Nobody is truly, I don't know that anyone is truly aware of, of all of them, and those of us that can study them can't really understand them. So as a result, the average American lives in a life of ignorance, uh, being ruled by what's supposed to be a re- relatively small and innocuous federal government. But as Mark Levin wrote in uh, his his book, um, the uh, uh, on the amendments, uh, the, federal, the Liberty Amendments. Pardon me? The Liberty Amendments. The Liberty Amendments. Thank you. That the federal government is the nation. This is Mark Levin, the uh, quote out of his book. It is the, the federal government is the nation's largest creditor, debtor, lender, employer, consumer, contractor, property owner, tenant, insurer, health care provider, and pension guarantor. All of which would come as somewhat of a surprise for those founding fathers who thought this was a doctrine of enumerated powers. Bear in mind that our Constitution, uh, on our three branches, the president is not elected by the people. The executive is not elected by the people. The president is elected by Electoral College. Federal judiciary, not elected by the people. Congress, bifurcated. Uh, Senate, at the time, not elected by the people. By the state legislatures. By the state legislatures. That was a, a, a plan to protect the states from the federal powers. Correct. And now the, and the House of Representatives was the only place where the people actually voted in their representative. 
So now we have a federal government, and the 17th Amendment, which needs to be repealed, in my opinion. We'll talk to Mark Beckler. Potentially, we can get to Mark about the 17th Amendment. Uh, the federal government lords over everything, and it has an inexhaustible energy for social social engineering. And yet it's the least responsive to the voters. Right. So every year, every year, our government eats up the, the annual revenue. And, and, and then some. Yeah. And, and let's be clear about this. Taxes on a diminishing number of productive citizens and then borrows more money that nobody has any clue on how it's going to be. These loans are going to be repaid. There's not enough money. There's not enough money on the planet to 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 pay off America's debts. So what has the federal government done? Well, enter the Federal Reserve Board. Print money. Quantitative easing. Print money. Right. So what they've done is they've taken their debt. They've monetized it. They, it buys its own debt. And it issues itself credit. It prints money amounting to trillions of dollars. That's where inflation comes from. All this talk about, oh, unions cause inflation or uh, greed causes inflation. No. The printing of money mm-hmm. causes inflation. This will destabilize our economy at some future point, and I have a sneaking suspicion that China knows exactly what it's doing. And there, and, and there will be, uh, you know, I, I quick segue. Uh, do you think that uh, coronavirus comes from China? Do you think that the CCP had anything to do with the release of coronavirus? Yes. Okay. Do you think that CP, CCP has anything to do with um, pouring money into Hollywood and D.C. and um, perhaps causing some censorship of conservative voices? Absolutely. They've been they've been somewhat late to the uh, the culture game the Chinese have, but they're they're getting there now. Yeah. So the only way out is for the government to eat its own. So the federal government has to eat its own. How so? And, and, and that is, con, you're, they're going to wind up having to confiscate the productive members of America's economy ta- through taxes, higher taxes, going after wealth accumulation, retirement benefits, private property. 200 years ago, when the federal income tax was, was uh, instituted, the top individual tax rate was 7%. Yes, I think so. That was right around 1904. Yeah. Now we're at 40. Right. Elect uh, Kamala Harris, it's, and we're going to 50, to 60. This is the quicksand of the federal government. We've been up as, as, as high as 90. And it didn't last. Right. But it's time to return to self-government, where people have to reclaim some control over their future, then wait for the government to take care of the future for them. And we have the people, the listeners to this show, the listeners to Mark Levin's show, the, li- the, the people that are, are paying attention to what's going on, the winds of change. Uh, this election, perhaps more than any other, and I know we probably say this every four years, this is the most important presidential election ever. But the restoration of the constitutional republicanism and, and reestablishing the founding principles we have we have woken up now to a point where Alex de Tocqueville, Alexis de Tocqueville, predicted in 1835. And our founding fathers were wise men. They built into the Constitution a way to rebalance the government. 
and that's through state legislatures. And state legislatures were written into the Constitution as a crucial mechanism to contain the power of the proposed new federal government. Again, because these guys were right on the membrane of tyranny, monarchy around the world. They knew what had to happen to curb men's power, appetite, and greed. And And how to frustrate it. And the way they did that was... Checks and balances. Checks and balances. The First Amendments to the Constitution ensure individual and state sovereignty to be safeguarded against this new federal government. That became the Bill of Rights and the Ninth and Tenth Amendments. And now... We have something called Article 5 that no one seems to know much about. They don't teach that in school. The con- they built in, these smart dudes built into the Constitution the means for restoring self-government. Uh, and, for and, averting, and averting societal catastrophe. Article 5. After the break, we're going to talk to one of the guys who's on the front lines, has been there, put his money where his mouth is. Uh, acolyte of Mark Levin. His name's Mark Meckler, one of the founders of the Tea Party Movement. After the break, we're going to talk about some amendments that could happen if we got the federal government back under control. Brad Coffel, Eric Wilson, 610 WTVN. News Radio 610 WTVN. For the defense, the only live legal show of its kind in Columbus. The Coffle Law Firm, one of Ohio's leading criminal defense firms. Your host of For the Defense, Columbus attorney Brad Coffel. It's 1137 a.m. We're talking about the founding fathers and uh, some of the built-in protections in the operating system known as the United States Constitution. Again, the Founding Fathers are not to be discounted, forgotten. They are to be brought forward right now because they are especially important in what's happening in America. We have a federal government that is out of control. It is a leviathan. It consumes um, 25% of our GDP. It is it's the largest, you name it, everything. Creditor, debtor, tenant, provider of health insurance, guarantor of pensions, you know, the whole gamut. And a man by a French man by the name of Alexis de Tocqueville, who walked through France and England, boarded a ship, came to the U.S. And, to America, and was uh, amazed at what he saw—a totally different thing. And he saw the sovereignty in men, in the uh, in, in the people, and he was really amazed at the American experiment because it was lifting all boats and free market and capitalism at the time. And he and he really thought this was special, and he wrote about it. He wrote eighteen thirty. He wrote a two part series of Democracy in America, eighteen before fifteen years before the Civil War. And he really worried, and he warned of something called soft tyranny. That there would be too much democracy. Now that might sound unusual, uh, but there would be too many people having their hands in the pot, so to speak that it would take root in modern democracy and it would be a much more dangerous version than oppression under kings and queens. And he, what he warned has come true. We have a softer, gentler, more insidious form of tyranny over the will of people because it's not one ruling family. It's a multitude of men, as he predicted, uniformly alike, all equal, constantly circling for petty pleasures, unaware of their fellow citizens, spending money, 
without regard to their descendants and who's going to pay for it. It's become a despotic democratic government. Old world aristocracy wrapped up in a democracy. Well, we have an economy now that is uh, that is being destabilized. I would suggest that it is unstable uh, now. And you cannot escape the laws of economics. And at some point in time, the federal government is going to have to take more from the hardworking Americans through taxes, higher That's taxes. going to have an effect. Confiscate property, pensions, retirements, undo 401k. It's just going to have to. This is the quicksand of the federal government. And it's time to return to self-government where the people, we can reclaim some control over our future rather than just accept it as an inevitable, dismal fate. And one of the men who has done an amazing effort over the last uh, decade plus is a gentleman by the name of Mark Meckler. Mark's on the, the line with me. Mark, good morning. Good morning. Great to be with you. And by the way, that was an incredible summary of de Tocqueville. Really well done. Oh, well, I may have borrowed a little bit from Mark Levin. <laughs> the master. Uh, so, Mark, you are one of the founders of the Tea Party movement. And and now currently as a president of Citizens for Self-Governance? Is that yeah, right? that's correct. I mean, basically, I've spent the last 11 years in politics. Like you, I'm an attorney who stumbled my way into politics accidentally because I was fed up. Yep. It's exactly what you were describing that de Tocqueville predicted was the soft tyranny and that has now risen up and has our government in a chokehold. So I got involved in politics accidentally and really have been fighting for the last 11 years for the idea of self-governance, that we need to take the power back for the people. I will tell you, Mark, that uh, and I've told, you know, this is show 174, and on show 172, I uh, I, I let everybody know my 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 uh, my, dirty little secrets. my dirty little secrets that I voted for Obama in 08. I voted for Obama in 2012. I essentially voted for Clinton in 2006. Don't hang up. I essentially <laughs> voted for Clinton in 2016. I had one of my uh, 11-year-old twin girls push the button because I truly thought I wanted my, my daughter to push the button for America's first president. I thought it was pretty cool. I was unaware of the, of the winds of change. I thought the Tea Party movement was a little far out there for me. I considered myself to be a bit more of a, of a libertarian progressive but now, man, I can't get enough of convention of states. Uh, when the when the lockdown happened, um, I was I was online and I was just searching for anything. I was hungry, hungry, hungry for like minded people, and I stumbled upon convention of states, and I jumped in. Um, and uh, but Mark, I, before we talk about that, we have a lot of Mark Levin fans on the sh- uh, who listen to the show. Tell us a story about how you guys hooked up. Yeah, sure. Mark and I have been good friends now for, well, probably going on 10 years. And and so we've known each other. He wrote the um, Liberty and Tyranny, which was sort of the manifesto for the Tea Party movement. He didn't write it for the movement, but it came out fortuitously, I'd say providentially, right at the beginning of the Tea Party movement. So we'd been in touch since then. And when I was looking to launch the Convention of States movement, I, I was in touch with Mark, but we'd never talked about it. And Mark was writing a book at the time. Mark's especially cranky when he's writing a book. It's it's hard work, and he does all his own writing and all his own research. So I knew he was writing, but I didn't know what he was writing about. Meanwhile, I'm planning and scheming behind the scenes to launch the Convention of States project. 
Well, I was on a panel in Phoenix, Arizona, or Tucson, Arizona. It was hosted by Hugh Hewitt, another great conservative host. And Mark Levin Skyped in, and I got the chance to ask him via Skype a question in front of a live audience. And the question was, I said, Mark, I feel like we've lost control of our government. It doesn't matter who we send to Washington, D.C. They do whatever they want, not what we want. And I think the only way to save the country is to use Article 5 and call a convention and have the states take the power back for the people. And Mark's answer was so uncharacteristically, Mark, he literally just sort of mumbled. He said, I, well, uh, you know, don't, I just, and, uh, and he finally stopped and he said, look, I, I agree with you, I'm writing a book and I can't talk about it. And that was his entire answer, and I was dumbfounded by the answer, because Mark has an answer for everything, as your listeners who listen to yep. him know, and it's usually very forceful. Well, he texted me while I was sitting up at the dais and said, we need to talk afterwards. I thought he was going to be very enthusiastic about Convention of States, so I was excited about that. That was my main reason for asking him the question. Well, I called him after I left the stage, and he was furious with me. And he was furious, and he, you know, he wouldn't let me respond, and he said, I'm writing my book, and, and the book is called The Liberty Amendments, and it's about Article 5, and you just exposed oh, that. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, no, and he said, you have no right, and you may have caused me to breach my contract. And once I was able to get him to calm down and stop, I said, Mark, I had no idea what you're talking about. And he asked me why I had asked the question. I explained to him we were launching this project, and his response, I'll never forget, was he got very quiet. And he said, that's not coincidence, that's providence. There's a lot I really of believe that. Mark wrote the book, Liberty Amendments, which is about the idea of using Article 5 to reclaim our government. We were launching the movement at the exact same time. Mm. And so we came together, and that's how the movement was born, and it really exploded because of Mark's influence. Terrific, it has. And we're, listening, we're talking to Mark Meckler, uh, founder, uh, one of the founders of the Tea Party Movement and uh, Convention of States, uh, which I'm affiliated. Uh, Mark, uh, talk... Just just to, before we jump in a break, uh, give us a, a summary, if you will, of Article 5 and why every listener right now needs to know about this. Sure. So Article 5 of the Constitution is where we get the power to amend the document. And the founders knew we would need this. We, they gave the power to Congress when two-thirds of each House proposes an amendment, then it goes out to the states for ratification. But there was also in convention a moment where they realized they had a big problem. They'd given the power to Congress, but not to the people. And they asked, are we really so naive we believe that a Congress that becomes a tyranny will propose amendments to restrain its own tyranny? There was no debate. They unanimously included this provision that gives you and me the power, acting through our state legislatures, to call a convention of states. It takes 34 states, two-thirds of states, to call it. Go into convention, you propose amendments, and then it takes 38 states, the same number, to ratify it as if Congress proposed. So that's the basic process. Why I think it's so important right now, Brad, too many decisions being made in Washington, D.C. A lot of the hate and vitriol we see comes from the fact that half of us are always mad, depending on which mm -hmm. party is in control. We need to take the power away from D.C. and give it back to Absolutely. the Absolutely. Amen to that. After the break, we're going to talk about a few of these amendments. Uh, that I think our listeners would find to be wise, kind of like founding fathers might find them to be wise if they were here today. Mark, can you stick around? Awesome. He's already on hold. Mark Meckler, after the break, Brad Koffel, Eric Willison, we'll wrap up this awesome show. Thanks. Brad Koffel, 1151 AM. We are live with Mark Meckler in the Basement Doctor. And you can watch this actually live on the Basement Doctor studio cam. Uh, just go to 610 WTVN on Facebook and press on uh, For the Defense, Brad Koffel, For the Defense. 
Uh, Mark, welcome back. Mark is uh, one of the founders of the Tea Party Movement. Now, Mark currently serves as president of Citizens for Self-Governance. Uh, friend, may I say, a friend of Mark Levin, and we're citing a lot of Mark Levin's uh, work in his book, The Liberty Amendments, specifically Article 5. And just before the break, uh, Mark Meckler, you gave a, a great uh, summary of Article 5 and why the Founding Fathers built that in there, kind of a rebalancing uh, if the federal government got too big, would that be a fair statement? Yeah, look, they knew it was going to get too big. That's That was their experience, that centralized yeah. government was bad, that the dispersal of power was good, and that any central government that got too big was not going to limit its own power. So they wanted to make sure that the people had the power to rebalance. So let's just say we call a convention for proposing amendments, and we, we get through all the state legislatures, and the state calls the convention, constitutional convention, what are some ideas that are that are being discussed at uh, at your level, the national level? Yeah, you know, I would say two main ideas that are supported by about 85% of the American public. One is term limits. You know, I can go into any room. I travel all over the country. I ask who in the room supports term limits. It's going to be about 95% of the people in the room, and Congress will never impose term limits on itself. And, Brett, I also think we need to add in, and, and our application does this, term limits for people like staffers and bureaucrats. Mm. This is the deep state we hear about. A lot of the big problems from people serving forever. So term limits is one. Second would be a balanced budget amendment. The federal government, you mentioned this. You know, you understand basic economics. They can't keep spending forever and going into debt. At some point, the piper has to be paid. So we want to impose some restrictions on the federal government, make sure that they're not spending more than they're bringing in, potentially putting a cap uh, on taxes and a cap on spending as well. And then the third area, which is I think is the most important, is limiting the scope and the power and the jurisdiction of the federal government. In other words, telling them these are things that you may not be involved in. One great example is education. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of Americans say that the education department is a disaster. That money should stay at home in the states and be spent by the state and localities. So we should get the federal government out of education. That's something we can do through a convention. A lot of people don't realize the uh, when the founders put in you know, here we are talking about a democracy, and everyone wants to talk about uh, uh, equality. And equality has many different definitions, I guess. But the the founders were really concerned about too much democracy uh, in the hands of the people. And if you think about it, the president is not elected by the people, but it comes through the electoral college. Federal judiciary is appointed uh, now, and and then in Congress originally. Uh, the House of Representatives were voted directly by the people through through popular vote, but the Senate was not. That came up through the state legislature. One of the items that you have on term limits is uh, is repealing Seventeenth Amendment. And I would be a huge fan of that. Most people aren't aware of this, and I'm I'm glad you bring it up. I wasn't aware of it even as a lawyer ten years ago. That we used to appoint our federal senators. The legislature appointed them. They went to Washington, D.C. Their job was to represent your state, not to represent the people. The House of Representatives, that's the people's house. That's where we're represented. Why do the states need representation? Because this was the balance where the senators would go to D.C. Their job was so easy, Brad. All they would do is say no. That was their job. To tell the federal government, no, you can't do that, you can't do this, that infringes on the authority of the states. And then they would go back and report to the state legislatures, not to the people. So I think it would be a yes. restoration of balance to restore Absolutely. That. Representing the states against the federal government. 17th Amendment was put in, the 17th Amendment was passed in the, in the first big progressive movement in the uh, 19-teens, uh, and, uh, and, it, and it, it really, the 17th Amendment was really a big mistake, 
if you are a believer in the original founding principles, and based on what you just said, I think a lot of people have just learned something remarkable, and we've never thought about, that the states need representation at the federal level. What about um, what about an amendment to protect the vote? We seem to have so many different ways to vote right now, and I got in a bit of a quarrel last night uh, with, with a buddy who is of the other uh, party, and uh, certainly the integrity of the voting process, and I feel like the, the public's faith in the voting process is the, 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 will be the huge destabilizer of what is left of our Republican experiment. Uh, is there an amendment within convention of states to address protecting the vote? No, this is a, a difficult needle to thread, I would say, because remember that the goal of Convention of States is literally to limit federal power. And so the question is, can we use the federal government to protect the vote? Well, the Constitution provides that the states are in charge of how the vote is conducted, and states have a lot of latitude in that. I think the, the way to go at that, and I think we can, is that the federal government has an obligation to protect a Republican form of government, small r, Republican yeah. form of government. Uh, which is a representative government. And so anything that would go to protecting, if we could justify it as protecting a representative form of government, which I think we can by making sure we have a clean vote, then, yeah, I think we could propose an amendment that would do that. Awesome. Mark, where can listeners go to support Convention of States? They can go to conventionofstates.com, conventionofstates.com. They can get signed up. Anything I've said here is on there. And, Brad, I just want to thank you for doing local radio. As a guy who travels yeah. all over the country, it is the most important communication mechanism we have right now, in my We're opinion. Not, we can't get censored. We can't get censored by Twitter. We can't get censored by Facebook. We can talk it through, talk it out through uh, local radio. Mark Meckler, thank you. Thank you very much for all that you do and for spending some time with us here in Columbus, Ohio. Have a great week. We are uh, going to wrap up. We'll see what happens in America this week. Buckle up. We're getting close. And we'll talk about it next Sunday. Brad Coffley, Eric Wilson, 610 WTVN.